Good morning. Welcome to Majesty Park. We are glad to have you here today. Uh, special welcome in person and if you're joining us online here today, especially if you're a guest or new here with us, my name is Ben, uh, one of the pastors here at Hope. Absolute joy to be with you. Uh, yes, we are having VBX starting tomorrow here at the South Campus. Uh, we call it VBX because nobody likes to go to school in the summertime, uh, so we call it experience, and it is quite the experience. Uh, and this morning, uh, I heard that we are still in need Need of three volunteers to be small group leaders in our morning and our evening session. Uh, and so if you have any time that you're able to help this week, even if it's just one or two days, uh, that would be huge help uh, for us as we serve almost a thousand kids that'll be coming uh, here and maybe even more. We had over a thousand kids last year. Uh, it takes a village and a church to do that. So uh, thank you for everything you're able to do. We're excited for all that is going to happen in the near future. Uh, I want to begin here today with a story. Back in 2018, my wife Jade and I were just beginning to newly date, and so we were doing what newly dating couples did, and we got coffee, and we were just sitting down and just asking each other a thousand questions, uh, just getting to know each other, just, you know, some bigger questions, some smaller ones, just to get to know everything about one another. And uh, one of the questions that she asked me early on is a question that I think many of us would consider a pretty small, insignificant question. Uh, but for me, it was incredibly uh, challenging. And there's a lot going through my mind when she asked. The question was, what is your favorite color? You know, some of you may be like, dude, just say green, move on, you know, or something like that. Uh, but I was like, man, there's just so much going on in my head. Uh, to kind of give you a little perspective, what was going through my mind was more of a scenery than a color. It was the scenery of a Minnesota summer's evening overshadowing a lake. The sun setting over the lake inside the sky of the fiery orangish pink, red, purple, all mixed together, reflected from the blueness of the water. It's just the most beautiful thing that you ever see. It's hard to describe. And so as I'm describing this to her, she's just kind of quiet and listening and smiling. And uh, pretty quickly, we just moved on from that conversation. Fast forward to Christmas time. We're having our gift exchange to each other. Uh, and she handed me uh, this handmade portrait that she had made herself of the exact scenery that I had described to her. Um, she had two scriptures to it, Psalm 65, verse 8. They who dwell on the ends of the earth stand in awe of your signs. You make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. And then Psalm 113, verse 3, the sun has kind of taken out some of the color, but it says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. With this little caption on the top, as the pink-orange reflection of the sun meets the blue-green water, be at peace for the king of kings is with you always. Um, I think I got her a t-shirt for Christmas. <laughs> I was like, uh, man, uh, this is the moment I knew I'm gonna marry this gal, you know? Um, man, when I, when I see this photo and when she handed this to me, uh, there's just something so beautiful about it. Uh, and the reason is, yes, because uh, she made it for me and I, I love the scenery, uh, but I think there's something so much greater and deeper that when I see this color, this image, I don't just see a color. I don't just see uh, image or scenery. But when I look at this, I see God. I see God shown and revealed through the world and the creation that he has made. This is the general revelation of God that we can know that there is a God with full confidence because of the world that he has made. 
Listen to the way the apostle Paul said it, Romans chapter one. He said, since the beginning of creation, God's eternal powers, divine nature has been clearly seen by all, being clearly understood by what has been made so that people are without excuse. Man, if you've ever wrestled with the question, you know, how do I know that God is real? How can I be confident that he actually exists? Paul's just saying, look at creation. Look at the world that he has made for it shouts the glory of a creator. Think about it this way. If you were to stand outside of Hope South here this morning and just look at the building, you would never conclude that Hope South just built itself. It's quite possible you've never seen the people who built it. Uh, It's possible that some of you in the room here today were actually part of the crew who built Hope South, but you would never assume that it just became to create itself all these blocks coming on each other because buildings don't build themselves. There had to have been a builder. In that same way, when we look at creation, we can't conclude that creation just created itself, that everything just came from nothing. No, we believe that. We look at creation and we know innately that there is a creator. At the very beginning of everything there was, there wasn't just something, but there was someone. And we get to see his design, the work of his hands. And so what we're going to do here this morning is we're going to look at this great reality that not only do we know that this God exists, but that this God has created us in his image and he has revealed himself to us in human flesh. And when we place our faith and our trust in him, he will deliver and save us from our sin and he will bring us by the power of the Holy Spirit from death to life. We're beginning a brand new series today uh, that we're gonna be journeying through this summer called Then Sings My Soul. We're looking at the, the great hymns that have become the foundation in church history for how you and I worship God through song. Uh, and so today, the hymn we're gonna look at is a hymn that many of us have heard of. It's How Great Thou Art. It's the foundation for the title of the hymn. I think whether or not you grew up in church, it's likely that you either have sang this hymn before or if not sang it, you've at least heard this hymn proclaimed in some time in your life. Uh, This hymn is only the second most sung hymn to one other hymn in church history. Can anyone guess what the other hymn would be? Amazing Grace. Uh, This is an incredibly powerful hymn that so many of us are aware of. And so what I want to do here today is I want to unpack the hymn a little bit with us. I want to look at the story, the the reflection uh, of the hymn, uh, and look at what was the origin of it. And then I want to kind of look through the, the verses together with you and invite you, if you're so willing, to sing those verses as we dissect them with me. And then we're going to connect them with what you and I recite every single week as the Apostles' Creed. We're going to see a lot of connection between the two. And then we're going to close out our time together by looking at the response for us and what this means in terms of application. So let's begin at the beginning. Uh, Back in 1885, there was a man named Carl Boberg. Uh, He was a Swedish editor who one day was in his town in Sweden after work, and he began to walk home. And as he's walking home and and making this journey, he came across a thunderhead in the distance, just this loud, huge thunderhead roaring with thunder, flashes of lightning. Uh, And out of this place of fear, he ran as fast as he could to a place of shelter before uh, he got caught in the middle of the storm. And he waited, you know, as long as it took, a few minutes, maybe an hour. And eventually the storm blew by and it went uh, over the course. Uh, And after the storm, he was amazed 
at the calmness that followed, the calm feeling of the breeze, the smell of the fresh bay air. And he began to just be in awe at the separation of the two experiences. In one moment, he's experiencing incredible, intense fear. And just moments later, he experienced amazing peace. And so he began to journal his experience uh, down into a poem that he later titled, O Store God, which translates to, O Mighty God. Fast forward to 1949, there's an English missionary named Stuart K. Hine who began to read this poem, and he was just in awe at the words of of, uh, the poem, and he began to just uh, want to further the words of this poem, and he began to translate it into something that not only would be spoken, but something that would be sung. He began to translate it into the hymn that you and I now sing as, How Great Thou Art. And so what I want to do here to begin is I want to sing with you, if you want to join with me, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll sing the chorus and kind of unpack that here together. So if you would like to, uh, the words will be up on the screen. We can sing this song together. It went like this. Oh, Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand hath made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, I know throughout the universe displayed. Verse two, when through the woods and forest glades I wander, and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, and hear the brook, and feel the gentle breeze, and then the chorus, Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Man, y'all so beautiful this morning. Even you online, I can hear you. It's just great. I think when we look at this song, we begin to see that when Carl Boberg wrote the poem and Stuart K. Hine translated into a hymn, they saw the heart of God's design and the work of his hands and shown in creation. And they could not help but lift their heart and their hands in worship. You see, this is why every time we gather, we say those words in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You see, when we look at all that God has made, we do not just see mere chance. We don't just see mere accident, but we believe those words in the hymn that is quite literally, thy power throughout the universe displayed. And you see, the reason I love this song, and I think the reason so many of us love this song so much, is because when we sing it, we're not just declaring that this God exists, but we are letting this song lead us into a full-hearted worship of that God. 
That we don't just encounter this creator God and leave unchanged. But just even knowing that there's a God and knowing this God intimately leaves us completely transformed. It leads us to sing into a wholehearted, genuine, heartfelt worship of a real, holy God. But notice, at this point in the verses, we begin to see a shift in direction. Because notice in the chorus, he doesn't say, Then sings my soul, my creator God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. He changes it. It's not just that he's leading us into worship of God, our creator, but he's worshiping God, our savior. He's leading us now to the second person of the Trinity, not just God, our father, but God, our savior, his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And he begins to lead us into the third verse of this hymn. If you want to sing this along with me as we dissect He says, and when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. You see, not only did God give us his creation, but he gave us his son. Why? Why would God have ever given us his son? Let's look at the verses that Stuart K. Hine put to words. We begin to see two reasons that he outlines for us. The very first one is to bear our burdens and to do so gladly. The second one is to take away our sin. You see, the general revelation of God, this is the general revelation that tells us that God exists. As wonderful as that is, it cannot save us from our sin. We're not saved just by knowing that God exists. What the general revelation of God does is it tells us that you and I are actually guilty of sinning against this holy God that we have gone our own way, we've betrayed him, we've done our own thing. You've done it. I've done it. Every single human being who's ever existed has had this rebellion against God, except for one. And that's where it begins to change from the general revelation of God to the special revelation of God. Notice how the Apostle Paul says it, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. He said, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, meaning in Jesus Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I love how the New Living Translation puts it. Listen to this. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. That's beautiful. Listen, this is almost poetry that the Apostle Paul is outlining for us. This is where he's beginning to shift us into what you and I say every week, that second article of the Apostles' Creed. 
Not only do I believe in God the Father Almighty, but I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. You see, the special revelation of God not only reveals to us who God is, but it reveals to us what God has done. That God not only sent his Son to the earth to dwell among us, but that God has actually sent his Son to the earth to save us. You see, God literally sent his Son to the earth to die so that by faith in him, you and I might have life. This is amazing, and it should take our breath away. It did for Stuart K. Hine. That's why he wrote in the lyrics, I scarce can take it in. You see, he knew the weight of his own sin, but he also knew the glory of his Savior. That on that cross, not only was Jesus taking away your sin and my sin, but that on that cross, he was doing so completely where you and I would never have to pick it up again. See, that's good news but it gets even better than that. You think, how could it get better than that? How could it get better than forgiveness of sin? How could it get better than entrance into the eternal kingdom and escaping from eternal punishment? Well, let's look at how Stuart K. Hine writes it in verse four, if you want to sing our fourth and final verse with me. He sings, When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Did you hear that this morning? Verse three tells us what Christ has done. Verse 4 tells us what Christ will do. Look at the promise that Christ will come again. That's why we say in the words of the Apostles' Creed, I believe that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Then when he comes, he will come with shouts of acclamation and oh, what joy will fill our hearts for we will be going and being transferred into eternity forever and ever this is the promise of the resurrection. And that's why we close out with the third article of the Apostles' Creed every week by saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. You see, God has created us in his image. When we come to him with faith, he saves us by his grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit brings us from death to life. And so what does this mean for us today? How do we move forward with the application? What is this song supposed to do? I think the question that so many of us often ask, and this is an incredibly important question, is do you believe in Jesus? And here's the reality. All of us are gonna have to deal with that question at one point or another before the throne room of God. But the question is even deeper than that. 
The question today for us is not just, do you believe in Jesus? But the question is, does this Jesus make your soul sing? Does this Jesus make your soul sing, even through the hardships of life? Has Jesus transformed you? Has he saved you? Has he forgiven you of your sin? Man, when's the last time you rejoiced that you didn't have to suffer eternal punishment, that he has brought you from death to life? Again, this is not just for when things go well. This is for when things go incredibly difficult. Does your soul sing when you're dealing with cancer? Does your soul sing when you've lost a loved one? Does your soul sing when you're drowning at your job or when you're undergoing a major life transition? When you're dealing with pain that you never thought that you would deal with before? When you feel anxious or lost and alone? When you're crippled with fear? When it feels like everything is being pulled out from underneath your feet and this world has given you no reason to sing? Does your soul still sing anyways? My prayer for you here today is that if you're hearing, if your soul is singing, that this song and every sermon that you hear, every hymn that we look at in this series would be a reminder for you of the amplification of your worship, that this would remind you of what it is that Christ has done and what Christ will continue to do in your life. And if you're here today and your soul is not singing, or maybe you've found joy in Jesus in the past, you've placed your trust in him, but you've lost joy in him somewhere down the line and your soul's just not singing. You are struggling. May every time you sing this hymn be an invitation to remember that our God has created you in his image. That when you place your faith and your trust and your hope in him alone, that he will save you by his grace. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, when he does that, he will bring you from death to life so that maybe even for the very first time in your entire life, you may proclaim with all creation, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. May that be the proclamation of every single one of us here today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you with shouts of acclamation. And Father, we confess what joy is in our heart. Father, I pray that if anyone has not placed their faith and trust in you here today, that you would allow them to do so. And in so doing, I pray, Lord, if anyone has done that in the past and if they've just lost joy or lost trust, lost hope in you, I pray that you would, by the power of your spirit, the miracle that you allow for, restore that hope today. We love you, Lord. Our worship, our praise, and our honor is all for you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.